Welcome to The Flipside with Her Black Book, a podcast powered by Samsung Galaxy and presented by Pop Sugar Australia. I'm Julie Stavanya. And I'm Sally Sassi. Together, we're the founders of premium shopping and discovery app, Her Black Book, where you can find a curation of exclusive deals, cashback promotions, and new arrival alerts from all your favorite brands. Our app, Her Black Book, is available for download on iOS and Android now. Every Thursday, we'll be in your ears delivering honest, insightful interviews and action-driven conversations with our diverse lineup of influential guests across business, brands, and technology. We are lifting the lid on the thrills and spills that come with building and working within a tech-driven business. At the end of each episode, we'll deliver our listeners a very special exclusive offer from our Her Black Book brand partners. Lillian Hankin, better known as Flex Mummy, wears many, many, many hats. She is Australian media personality, radio host of Flex and Frooms on Kadar, a best-selling author, an award-winning influencer, a DJ, the founder of Flex Factory, a TV presenter, and self-confessed professional opinion haver. Did we miss anything? It's all there, really. I mean... I did have to, you know, shave it down a little bit every now and then. Oh, we already feel overwhelmed in your presence. <laughs> Thanks for letting us know there's more. I do there's more, always but more. that's the short list. <laughs> Welcome, Flex. Thank you for being with us. Um, you really do wear a lot of hats. Do you have a favourite? I guess my favourite at any given time is what, whichever feels like I'm not overextending myself in spite of myself and whatever feels the most easy. And that doesn't mean it is easy, but whatever feels easiest at the time. So is that like about flow? Is it like, what yes. am I gravitating it's to? It's about flow state. It's about lack of friction. It's about being yeah. understood. It's about being seen. It's about being respected. It's about being in environments where you can be communicative and it's safe to share what you think. All of these things, you know, conducive to ease. To do that, you have to be extraordinarily intuitive. Mm. I would say that that is one of the things that stands out to me the most about you. You philosophize. I mean, you study so much. You're clearly incredibly well read. I love your references to like Cora and all these sort of things. Like where do you gravitate to, to like enrich yourself with all of this like knowledge that you've built up that helps you stay in that flow? It's always back to basics, right? So I think that for the longest time, people who study people, anthropologists, sociologists, have said that there are functions that benefit humans, right? There's a way to do life. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. So I'm talking basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, I love that. Um, that Let's go back to there. I always love personality profiling, archetyping, all of that stuff, because it's really interesting to see how you not only navigate the world, but if it's contradictory to the way that you actually are. So let's say if I'm navigating the world like a warrior, but when yep. I'm at home in my four walls, I am more of a servant, yep. right? Where, where What's the contradiction? Where is it happening? So that's always helpful. I love mythology. There's something about mythology, religion, not that the two are the same, but going back and understanding what stories were told to explain the world around you and how not much has changed. Do you think that's because all of that storytelling mythology is so emotive and compelling? Like storytelling is like Mm -hmm. one of those greatest arts that moves people. And if you're really good at storytelling, which you are... I mean, it can almost, it can move, it can move mountains, right? Absolutely. It's like such a skill to have. Is that, you know, do you think that's kind of the key to it, storytelling? What else it is about mythology that you love? I feel as though, you know, it was, it existed at a time where people really needed, and not not just the most academic people or the most well-read, everybody needed to understand the world around them to keep going, to motivate them, to put context around their pain and suffering. And so you tell these stories where from the beginning to the end, it's clear where we're going, it's clear why it happened, and you can understand um, and also compare and contrast with your situation and there's something about these old stories that prove that you're not that special like what you're going through has someone else has experienced it and dealt with it and come up with a solution for it and a cliche and an idiom like it's been done so it's like the lessons in those stories too for sure and then one of those lessons is get over yourself you're not that special over it (laughs) move on (laughs) let me ask you because um julie is a mensa and you are incredibly like 
eloquent in the way that you speak. Bringing it down to basics for mm. someone like myself, <laughs> if we're looking to get into the flow and how we can, you know, kind of find ourselves in spaces where we create less friction, what are some basic steps that I can literally take home today and apply and start seeing a little bit more flow in my life. There are no basic steps. There are no basic <laughs> steps. <laughs> I think I would say the first, the first, the most basic step you can get is to um, look at your life objectively and find the contradictions hmm. between who you are and who you say you are, what you want and what you do, where you go and where you'd rather be. Because all of these things are painting a much clearer picture about the dissonance of why you can't maintain flow. If I say, I want to go places where I feel seen and heard, and then I keep going into environments where I have to be a caricature of myself, how do we do flow? It's not giving fluid. Absolutely. And I think with that, right, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have to allow yourself to be in a vulnerable state, right? To be open to what you see and what is a contradiction. Absolutely. And what you're potentially holding back from, whether it's fear, whether it's, you know. Guilt, shame. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They're pretty Mm -hmm. tough things to confront because if you do say, I want to be seen, and then you stay home and you're too afraid to take the steps because we all have these big goals and a lot of people are really afraid to, you know, risk what it takes to try and achieve that. Like, Mm -hmm. what if I fail, et cetera? You almost can imagine the pathway it takes is like, you know, almost like self-loathing because you really <laughs> yeah. want something and you're yeah. not doing anything about it. It's that contradiction that you said, yeah. you know, that, that just, just only going to lead to a negative spiral. Mm-hmm. Or do you think maybe people are fine with it? Yeah, I really want to do that, but nah, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's also by doing that, you recognize how much agency you really do or don't have. I think mm. we are all made to feel that we either have too much or too little agency, whether it's, you know, if I get out of this, you know, corporate job and I start my own business, I'll have more agency. And it's like, mm, well, every customer is now your boss, babe. So yeah. like, what is, what is the payoff now? You had one boss, now you have 12 million. Is that what you wanted? Or if you feel as though if I can make these three decisions for myself, everything will fall into place. And it's that really maybe contradictory linear thinking because of course in our heads we we create this path where it's like I'll do this and then this will happen and this will happen and I'll get to where I need to go and it's like okay well while you're doing that life is happening Mm. there are people who are going to cross your path and contradict the outcome you want and then what and speaking of that in, in regards to contradicting from other people's opinions for example how do people stay centered within their own thoughts because now with all these means like social media tiktok instagram the works you try and have an opinion you mm. might get you know slammed or brought down or cancelled or whatever it might be um how do you build the confidence to actually go, no, I need to listen to my inner self and my own thoughts and know that this is okay, even if no one else agrees? Yeah, it's a tricky one because I get asked the question a lot and I think that confidence is not something that you can fake. It's the sum of positive reinforcement from real life activity. And so I think I got a head start being raised in the environment I was raised in. It was really affirming. It was really empowering. It was really celebrative. And you just can't fake that. Mm. You know, so if I'm raised in an environment where my, where my mom's like, you're really special because you're my daughter. She's doing that programming. When I become an 18-year-old, I'm like, okay, well, as a baseline, I know I'm special because my mom said so. And that sounds co- like nonsensical, but that was just my reality. Now, though, I don't think confidence is something that most people should put at the forefront of what they want. I think you need conviction, comprehension, compassion for yourself and for others. And then with that together, you'll get to confidence eventually. But confidence will not save you. Mm-mm-mm. I think that's actually really true because I've done a little bit of public speaking over the time and I am terrified. Even doing this podcast, I'm actually an introvert. No! Yes, <laughs> I am. <laughs> but I have to come out of your sh- you know, my shell and be who I need to be mm-hmm. to do the public speaking. That did not start with confidence to not do exactly. it. Right? It was just putting myself in that position and going, I have the conviction that I can do yes. this. And if I don't nail it, I can still live. You know, like So yes. you put yourself in that position. Some of them go well. Some of them not so well and you kind of cringe or you wish you did better but you know what you go on with lessons you know and learnings and you do better the next time and that it builds your confidence over time Mm -hmm. so you're absolutely right you don't need confidence to get started um that's a really insightful comprehension Mm. conviction compassion i love the compassion part too thank you for adding that i think we should add a little bit of context thank you for being our guest today but a lot of people don't know mm. that I met you and actually oh, yeah. <laughs> gave you a gig yeah. way back in the day. I reckon it would be five years ago. I think I looked it up and it was almost five years ago to the date. Wow. And <gasps> five years ago. 
And what? so it's almost our little anniversary. It I is our anniversary. I should have bought yeah, a little anniversary present. I'm feeling bad now. I feel like I'm going to have to dick something up. Isn't but that incredible, Happy anniversary, though? babe. Happy anniversary. <laughs> and you were a DJ for mm-hmm. one of our private labels at Star Runner, a launch that we did on a rooftop in the middle of the city. It was super cool. I still cool. have New Guard pants, babe. Do you know what? I wear them all the time, the black and the red. It's not a game Good, to right? me. <laughs> I still have your New Guard playlist that yeah. you made us. It is still so relevant. Like, I was blown away back then. And I think this was before your MTV days, right? It's hard to know. I'm pretty sure that your MTV days came after that. And I was so stoked for you. And so I kind of remember the, you know, kind of sequence from my side. And I was not surprised. Like, when you did that, you know, job for us years ago, you were just such a star. You radiate something really special. So speaking um, of, I suppose, going back to DJing and the evolution of who you are now, yeah. Flex Mami, that was your DJ name, is that yes. correct? Has that become like an alter ego or is this like your, is it an identity or is it just another name for exactly who you are? It's another name because DJ Lillian was not going to work, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> and the more that I do this, um, whatever we want to call it, being a multi-hyphenate, being, you know, a content creator, whatever... I'm always trying to bridge the gap between the facade and the reality because something about being in industries where you get to control the message so precisely, Mm. you have to be careful of getting into a contrived space where you start role-playing what it is to be a business owner Mm -hmm. or becoming a caricature of yourself because it's what people expect from you. So I'm trying to make sure that the Lillian that would walk into a meeting is the Lillian that would walk into a DJ set, is the flex that would walk into, you know, a a shoot for whoever. It's super important to me because then I find that I'm not constantly at odds with myself, you know, like trying to give people the flex experience when realistically it's just the Lillian experience with no humanization because it's like is the flex experience just happy happy fun no (laughs) it's not and the sooner that I allow people to see all sides in all contexts the easier it gets for me the harder it gets for everyone else (laughs) that's their problem (laughs) exactly Do you think that, you know, in all the things that you do, I mean, a lot of them require you to be on quite a lot. Like, do you ever find that exhausting or is that your natural, like, place? I guess it's not exhausting in the sense that I do all of it consistently and it's not until I've done 16 jobs in one day where I'm like, oh, I could really do with an extra couple hours of sleep. I'm feeling burnt out. It takes me a while to know when I've gotten too far. Mm. I'm like... I'm st- I'm, I've got burnout from three years ago that I'm just clocking now. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? So it's not that it's exhausting. I just feel like it is all-consuming. Mm-hmm. That is the thing. Speaking of all-consuming, I wanted to touch base on, I saw one of your stories last week where you obviously are renovating a great little pad down Ooh, yes. in Tassie. Juicy. Looks amazing. <laughs> I've not seen anything like it before. It looks absolutely incredible. But you are really generous in sharing little snippets of your home Mm. with your audience. And some people seem to think it's not enough because they want to know where the windows are. (laughs) Literally. Tell me about the windows. This is so (laughs) bizarre. So for context, the way that I run my social media is I've always encouraged two-way communication because I've thought to myself, if I'm going to be in this place for eight hours a day, I need to enjoy myself. Mm. And what's enjoyable to me is chit-chatting and making sure that when we're having conversations, we're coming with the same amount of context. So if I need to give you a bit of extra insight so we can have a discussion I'm gonna do it and you know the more that I explore this relationship I'm building with strangers essentially I had to put a lot of boundaries in place because I thought that they were common sense and they're not so as simple as you know please and thank you when you ask me for things or understanding that even if you don't regard yourself as a danger to me I don't actually know you I don't know if your profile is real so I need to exercise some duty of care for myself mm-hmm. so I'm very mindful like I don't like to give advice anymore because I have a duty of care that far exceeds what the person is expecting I'm like I'm not just a person mm-hmm. I'm a director of companies babe. I don't need this blowing back on me or realistically I am very acutely aware of safety because you know leading an open life that people feel that they have the right to to pry into is fine and dandy until it becomes a question of personal safety. Yes. And so with every house that I move into, and I probably moved into a house every year for the last five years, I like to see different parts of Sydney, you know? 
But I used to be really open. I did the house tours and the wardrobe tours. And then I started noticing, you know, one too many people would, would clock where I was living or the suburb I was in or where I was going. Or I used to document um, where I was and the time that I was at that place. So I was like, what's the worst that could happen? A ton of things could go wrong, mm-hmm. actually. So in this newest apartment that I'm in, I do still want to share my home, but I don't want to give any quote-unquote incriminating details. Yeah. And a big thing for me is if you're in Sydney, it's very clear to tell where you are by the landscape. Yeah. Yeah. So clear. So I'm like, the windows stay shut. I'll even try not to film in the day where it's, it's really identifiable what the layout is. By design. The fact that so many people notice that change is bizarre to me. Like, what kind of subconscious activity are you internalizing and taking of your home? So, what kind of happening? Watching the same ones, and I was like, what? What? Windows? Windows? It's like, what? I did not understand. I only shared three messages I got of people being like, hey, babe, like, just wanted to know, like, I'm not seeing any windows in your house. Do you not have any sad face? (laughs) Yeah, it was like really sad face we're just really worried about you we haven't seen any windows and I just think it's the most nonsensical juvenile like it's just ridiculous to me because it's not it's this like curiosity feigned as care which I mm. hate yeah yeah hey 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 just be curious with yeah. your chest mm-hmm. but also what are you actually asking yeah what think about it. what are you asking you want to see more why yeah. it is not realistic show me your windows let me see what your house is looking like and i think people might rebut and say well you're showing your life like but you haven't seen the windows right so why are you requesting for more do you feel that like as your profile has grown and it's probably the same for many stars out there the public feel like they have almost like this entitlement or right to like ask anything they want or like need to know these details like where does that come from well I think it's by design I don't think that content creators aren't to blame I think that over the course of the years in this lawless place we call social media people have commodified every inch of detail of their personal lives for a quick engagement Mm -hmm. spike and so somebody somewhere is freely waiting for somebody to ask them about the layout of their home so they can flex for a little bit so because so many people share it so willingly the public like starts to believe that that's, you know, kind of... It's standard practice. Yeah. Yep. Blanket mm-hmm. rule for anyone. And I'm like, no, 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 I read the news. Even with... And I also think that people like to think that they're the exception to the rule. I think that way too. You know, these things won't happen to me. And then life humbles you. When I read that people were able, or the robbers that uh, robbed Kim Kardashian, were able to know where she was at the time that she was there because she did a a selfie pan of the room and they saw the windows and that they were so unique, they were able to scale the outside of the building and come and... Gives me chills. Yeah. Scary. Like, that is not chill. Was that the moment that you started to think about privacy and security more? Or was it, you know, no, did you have an was, incident? it was before then. I'm a big Facebook Marketplace user. Yeah. I love my little secondhand goodies. Yeah. You know, and I like to build a beautiful house that I want to live in. And what would happen is I would sell things on Facebook Marketplace or go and get things on Facebook Marketplace. People would recognize me, but mm. wouldn't say it in the moment, would post about it online. I just went to Flex's house. This is so cool. I can't tell you how many times I've ordered Uber Eats and somebody who's delivered the food has not mentioned it being there but sent me a text in the app oh my goodness I'm a big fan of you I won't tell anyone where you live winky face la la That's if you creepy. ever want someone you know what I mean that like, is it's so many instances yeah. I would say maybe every one in five times too many that for the average person yeah. it's walking outside of my house going yeah. to my car and they're getting a dm of a picture of me being like oh my god I drove past you is that your house yeah. yeah. It's creepy and is it, freaky. Is this the move to Tasmania? <laughs> How well, much time do you intend to spend in Tas? Well, no, I'm not going to move to Tasmania permanently. Okay. No, 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 no. I Just can't do that. Away Sydney's where yeah. the lifestyle is. Yeah. Yeah. Sydney's where the lifestyle is, and I can't shoot myself in the foot, but I'm trying to plan further the next three months. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is all fun and dandy, but I don't aspire to be stuck anywhere. And so anticipating that at one point in time, this is not going to be for me. And yes. Is the, is the ultimate? goal like if you can't be stuck in one space for too long to have Everywhere. like five, yeah like twenty Everywhere. different yes. layers and I'll be here, I'll be here. Because that's it feels right to me, but in order for that to be a reality we've got to start somewhere. And yeah. you can't start without having a base anywhere else. And then once you start it creates momentum. Mm-hmm. I love momentum. I think there's like this quote, there's magic in momentum. There yes. really is. The flip side with her black book is brought to you by the new Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 4 and Z Flip 4. It's time to unfold your world. Available 
available now at samsung.com. Is um, she talks a lot? I know. Jumping. She, she's <laughs> just like. Usually I'm the boss, but lately <laughs> this podcast she's getting her confidence right up. <laughs> well, it's funny because I'm an introvert, and in real life I talk very little until you get to know me. But and you find your people exactly. Yes, so see, exactly. I can see. I feel like I'm on a third <laughs> I'm like, let me get in here. Flex, I want to know about future group chat. Yes. Tell me about it and why you actually created it. Yes. So for me, a big thing that I like to do is create problems, to, uh, create solutions to problems that I am having personally. Mm-hmm. Because I think the benefit of creating an environment where you're commodifying your own lifestyle is that things can be for my benefit and I can reverse engineer a business around it. So future group chat for me was this I was having a lot of friction with the fact that I definitely wanted to facilitate conversation. That's a Mm -hmm. big part of what I like. I like community. I like conversation. I like feeling as though we all have the tools to expand our mind. But what I didn't like was being the mediator. I was like, I don't need to be the person who holds your hand through this concept that I don't want to talk about because you don't understand where I'm coming from. And wouldn't this be more helpful if you had peers to to prop you up? And it, it... went both ways like for example there were some topics like racism for example mm-hmm. I don't want to be your token like knock 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 flex I've got a question because you need to challenge yourself put yourself in an, in an uncomfortable environment and imagine what would I do if I was in a situation that something you know racially very scary happened what would you do yeah. or on the flip side if it's a juvenile question about I don't know if I want to ask this person out I don't want to have that conversation with you but that doesn't mean that conversation is not valid or mm. worth having And so I found that I was kind of setting up my audience by saying, hey, here's where you can have conversation, but only when I want to and when I start it and when I stop it, that's ridiculous. And so I was like, what we just need is a separate environment where all of you can interact with each other and also get a better understanding of what it's like to share your ideas publicly. Because I think a lot of people kind of... They take the training wheels off too soon because I'm like, I'm not challenging you personally because there's not enough hours in the day for me to call out your contradictions or your hypocrisy. Mm. But when you have to put your own name and your own face to your ideas in this closed but public forum, what are you going to do about it? Like, Can you come up with the ideas quick enough? Can you challenge people around you? Can you still create a harmonious, safe environment where it's not an echo chamber? It's not easy. It's not. It's not easy. It's like a training grounds, right? Like mm-hmm. you're giving people that opportunity to practice that. And do they get called out by people in the... Yeah. But not only that, I think people are... I don't think they realise how much of a crutch they develop mm. getting their information from one mm. source. Yeah. So I learned about this concept from Flex. And so my understanding of it is her understanding of it mm. without saying, well, maybe I don't actually feel that way because I've not sought out any information despite yeah. that. So when they're put in an environment where somebody's like, can you expand on that? I'm really interested. There's no expansion. It's like, well, can someone call in Flex? Maybe she can help us. I'm like, I'm not... I'm not there. I'm not in the kitchen cooking with you. Like, You've got to add your own seasonings. Is there an application process? Is that right? To actually yes, get into the group? Definitely. Okay. Because the thing that I was very mindful of is that I'm not trying to make another social media. Mm. No. Like we are, and it, it's, I'm not even trying to create a safe space that's for everyone. This is a place of people who want to build community through conversation. And that does not resonate with every single person. Mm. I especially said, Although I think there's value in being able to lurk until you have the confidence to also share, it's not the space for that. Like we need people who are willing in this moment to share with each other. And I also found that when I, in any instance, and I was like, okay, if you don't want to really contribute, come join the conversation. It was overwhelming because people were like, oh, it's one thing to experience flex and feel like I don't have, you know, the verbiage or the ability to articulate. But what about the other hundreds of people here who do? Like, it's almost, it was shell-shocking people a little bit. Yeah. So in regards to the application, mm-hmm. what's the, like, things that you look an for? Exam. <laughs> no, Honestly, the, the, thing about me the, with your like, the thing about the application <laughs> is it was a barrier to entry, not to enter the space, but to not create another space around people who won't actually find use for this space. Yeah. 
right? So if they really want everybody to come through, if you can't fill out a 10-minute application, Mm -hmm. then, like, that's the least of your worries. So it's all questions about what is your conversation style? Do you feel as though you learn best by observing, best by integrating? What's the last hard conversation you had? What topics would you like to explore? Just general. I love that because you're almost already opening up their mind as to what they can expect when they're part of that group and the type of conversations they will be having. So I love that you've actually got that Do you know what would be cool? Mm. You know how, I mean, those questions remind me a little bit about like your card game, like, yeah. you know, reflex, right? Where you ask these really big questions and then people answer with, you know, I mean, really philosophical stuff. Like there's like no right or wrong. Mm-hmm. All of those questions on that application process sound really insightful and interesting. But then does I imagine that other people in the group, once they're through, don't get to see it or learn about everyone. It's yeah. almost like you need to host it on their own profile pages. That would be so sick. So it becomes sick. like your answers to Reflex, but it's like it's like the Facebook. Literally. <laughs> but for your community because Literally. you're so into these really deep, you know. Um, anyway, I digress. <laughs> but I, I see some like, you know, I see some merit to that, that sort of living there for a while. Yeah. And it's just these conversation starters to learn about other people. 100%. That are into, let's go deep. Mm. Here's a question that's really curly. Well, let's just explore because I think that's also another trap that I felt into a lot. Not every interaction needs to be deep or has the capacity to mm. go deep. Some things have merit being shallow because, you know, I used to find that um, probably when I was like, I don't know, 22, I used to be like, it's all deep conversation and realize I wasn't there to like make sure everyone landed safely. I was like, oh, you just share your stuff and I'm going to go, you know? And so I think when you encourage someone to share, it's like, well, are you providing the space? Are you going to commit to listening? Are you going to commit to seeing this through? Have you prepared yourself for a misunderstanding? Mm. Like all of these things, it's a far bigger process than just let's go deep. So what would you say are some of the topics that are trending at the moment? Same, same, same. It's cancel culture. How does social media fit into real life? Is authenticity culture a scam? Is it practical for people to aspire to do that? Purpose-driven conversations. What is next? Does everybody have the agency to have a memorable life? Is it... Do some people literally just have to be the NPC to a main character? Is main character syndrome going to be the demise of community as well, if we're all hyper-individualist? This idea that um, by also like this big conversation about publishing now with TikTok, that now that everybody can publish their thoughts, mm. we don't have a clear divide between creator, consumer, audience and, you know, back of house. It is all one. And so it's really hard to know and tell when you're getting someone's genuine self, mm. all of these things. It is like main, when you think about like main character, like I've not got time to be main character. And I'm the happy ups being and down a- of a main character? Yes. I don't want to do Yikes. That. Yeah, I feel it. I Would feel you like- say you're not a main character? I think you are. Yeah. You are like. I think I am a main character. However, like I always like to think about if for some reason, have you seen that show, The Hundred? No. Oh my God, it was amazing. So long story short, it's about these hundred kids that, oh no, I have to go further back. <gasps> Give me two minutes. Yeah. So basically, you have to imagine the world is no longer livable. The scientists know that. And so they develop these eight spaceships to go up into space. Each continent gets like their spaceship. Mm -hmm. And then you breed and start a civilization in the air, in the spaceship. Mm -hmm. And what happens is one of the spaceships knows they're running out of oxygen. And so they're like, okay, we've got to like let somebody go. Or is it time to check if Earth is inhabitable again? So they send 100 teenagers down to Earth and say, you guys figure it out. And I always wonder, what role would I play if there was no context for my past life? If it does not matter that I'm good at public speaking or I can make an amazing outfit, we are on the Earth and there's nobody watching. What is the plan? And I really think that like I don't want to set myself up to do this again no! <laughs> Let me find a nice little baker job. You know, something with realistic expectations for self that I can be, not mediocre, but I can choose how exceptional I want to be in this isolated area. You know, I'm not setting myself up to be like, let's create the new version of celebrity on this new planet. No! <laughs> it's not sustainable. But you do it so well. Yes, but also I, I keep thinking to myself, I'm only 28. Like, I do it so well because I have the benefit of, like, youth on my side. But then what about when I'm just like, I've lived Mm. for too long. This is not cute anymore. 
then by what then happens? I feel like you'll have a property in every you know state, and then you'll just be like sipping Hot. pina coladas, <laughs> yeah, enjoying benefits, yeah. yes. Or you could with my six chihuahuas. I'm like, this is Susie. <laughs> this is Sarah. <laughs> Then you could do your baking. Literally. You could just take up your baking dream. I can't even bake, you know, but I could if I wanted I'm to. I'm sure you could. You'd like just literally become like the world's best baker overnight. You have we this. Um, yeah, this is true because you're known for putting your mind at something, whether you have got experience or not, and going, you know what, I want to be a DJ. Yeah. Or I want to do X, Y, Z, and I don't have all the I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to figure it out. What is your strategy to actually learning a skill and actually learning it pretty damn good? Yeah. Like you're not mediocre at anything. So, what's some <laughs> of your strategies around that? My strategies for learning stuff is understanding what skills are actually required to do the thing well. So, for example, when I did my three-month stint um, at a private college studying PR, I was like, oh, I see what you're doing here. We're learning a bunch of theory. I can't imagine that Kelly Catrone is learning theory on the job. I just need to know what she is teaching her employees, and I'll just do that, right? Similar with DJing. I realized very early on that I was trying to be really technically good when most people who would book me just cared about the visual and if I had the capacity to play a different genre, not if I could mix really well, or beat match really well, or time it really well, or mix by key or whatever, all of these things that I convinced myself were necessary with being a presenter of any kind. Yes, I'm sure there are fundamentals that I have not learned, but I was like, realistically, if you are on a stage and your job is to do the job, then anybody watching you is of the presumption that you're doing it well. Yeah. So you may as well just add a little flavor. Flavor. (laughs) (laughs) Who's to say you're not the best at what you're doing? So how long did it take you to learn DJing? I would say the skill, a couple weeks, but feeling really good, like, oh, I'm nailing this, like three years. (laughs) Because up until then... DJing is not just like, I'm going to press these buttons. It's like, can you see a crowd and presume what music they're going to like? Mm. It's your and curation. Can you provide, it's the curation. Can you provide this vibe for an extended period of time? Will you know the perfect time to bring down, you know, the tempo or the speed so they can get a drink and go to the bathroom? Do you know how to start a dance floor? When somebody asks you for a request, do you know how to weave that in really seamlessly? These are like far more like soft skills that are not quantifiable. It's like it's a job that's based on vibes. <laughs> I love that you've looked at each of these roles in a totally new way to the way that traditionally people have looked at that. That's what you've really done. You've mm. gone, you know, okay, here are the technical skills that this role has usually required. Out the window, <laughs> this is what I think it takes to do it really well. And you've actually nailed it. You've honed in on those few things that are actually really critical to the consumer's, you know, kind of end experience and just gone, yeah, like, does it feel like you are then just going to take a leap of faith and like fake it till you make it? Like, I've got this theory. I'm going to try it. And like you said, it doesn't start with confidence. It starts with mm. conviction. Did you just go, I'm going to try this with all my conviction? Did you ever feel a little bit like imposter syndrome? Don't know if this is going to flop or not. I or think you in just the, like- the earliest stages, like I remember when I was trying to juggle full-time work and full-time DJing. So I would go to work eight to six and then DJ seven to midnight or whatever, again and again and again. And I remember my brother was asking, why don't you just quit your job? And I was like, well, DJing is not a real job, number one. Uh, And number two, like, I don't want to put all this pressure on this fake job to be a real job and to have consistent income. And he was like, but if it doesn't work out, you can just get another real job. And I was like, oh, (gasps) Light bulb. I can. Because it's so true. It is, I think yeah. that I, the fake it till you make it thing works to a point, but I feel as though people are perceptive. And mm-hmm. you can tell when someone's faking it. Like, you can just tell when mm. it's like, oh, you've, like, showed up and you look the part and maybe, like, you say the right things, but I don't really believe you. Yeah, there's something missing. Do you think there's some people can fake it till you make it better than others? Like, I imagine, like, oh, your yeah. level of faking it, you would turn up and just, like, look the part. <laughs> yeah, 100%. There's, there's definitely levels to it. And some people 
can definitely fake it till they make it and never have to bridge the gap between being really good at the thing they say they can do and actually doing it. But I don't think everybody is that special. Mm. So it's I think everyone needs to work for everyone. Yes. My mum always says, stay in your lane. Yeah. You know, just because you have proximity to someone who's really good at faking it doesn't mean that's your portion. So your mum says, stay in your lane, mm-hmm. but then you're in a thousand lanes. Yeah. Like, how do you translate that message to wanting to be in all these different lanes? Because think about, it's my mum saying, stay in your lane, but the lane that she's carved out for me is like you're special you can do whatever you want everything you touch turns to gold my daughter she called me princess and boss my whole life do you see what's happening there like she's created this ecosystem where i'm like wait a second i need to go home and start calling my children like it makes the biggest difference i remember i remember our mom saying to us you can do anything you want anything Mm -hmm. and we didn't have a privileged upbringing or anything so it was without any of those things, she was like, whatever you want to do, you can achieve it. You can do it. And 100%. so I, I think there's definitely something to that. Can you elaborate a bit on that? Because I think it is so, like, it's just this special, like, window that you're giving us to yeah. what it was like being raised. What was it like? Can you, like, illustrate it for us? I think the best thing to understand is, like, my mum did a really good job at bridging reality mm-hmm. and, like, reality as it is reality from the perspective of the world and her chosen reality for her kids. So my mom was a cleaner for like the majority of her life. What did a cleaner make in, you know, 1990? 30k a year or something? Like not a lot, right? Single parent, that whole thing. And from the jump, she didn't really shield us from the reality of her reality. So if I was like, oh, mom, I really want a phone, she'd say, okay, great. Well, this is how much a phone costs, and I don't even make that a week. So this is what it's going to take. Or being really realistic. Like, if you want something, you should go get a job. So super know, transparent parenting. Yeah, that was really helpful. Also, this idea of, like, being hyper-empowering, being really amazing. Like, I always tell this story of um, being, I don't know, I think I was, like, eight or something, or you ate... One of them. But um, I, everybody was getting braces and glasses. It was just a thing in high school. And I was like, oh, my God, I want braces. And she's like, well, who told you that? And I was like, I don't know. Everyone's getting braces. So I want braces. And she was like, yeah, but who, like, did someone say you need braces? And I was like, I don't know. And I don't actually know what, what was encouraging me to do that. But I was like, mum, nobody has a gap. Like, I just need to get my clothes because none of the other kids have a gap. And she was like, well, where we're from, gaps are really beautiful. So I don't know who at your school is trying to confuse the narrative. But if we go back to where we're from, the gap is beautiful. The gap stays. So I was complaining about it for what felt like a lifetime, but probably like a couple of days. This woman goes to the dentist and gets a gap shaved in her teeth. What? what? And was like, you see, I told you. Are you, you see what I'm talking about? Like, wow. We weren't raised the same. Yeah. Oh, I had a Liz. Yeah, I don't know what everybody is. else had. You had like a hype mum had a hype mum but even in the same vein my mum was like you're really special you're amazing but she's like racism is real your amazing personality isn't going to trump the fact that mm-hmm. there are preconceived ideas of blackness and blackness in Australia so yeah. I'm so sorry you won't get that piercing I'm so sorry the tattoo is a no I'm so sorry you need to go to like uni some kind of tertiary education all of these things she's like and she was so concerned about optics and appearance she's like Mm. what would it look like if you went out the house and you weren't looking beautiful what would it look like if you couldn't communicate really well what would it look like so it was still like this amazing household but a lot of pressure for a young kid to be like what do you mean people won't like me because of my skin color and she was like I don't know babe like I'm just letting you know the reality don't let this rain on your parade but she's like it would be remiss of me not to set you up for what is true you know or even like my being raised in a single parent household my mum was like abused by my dad they got divorced when I was three months old but she was like oh I had a bad experience with him but that's still your dad like you should build your own relationship so she's Mm -hmm. like we'll go there every Sunday I'll wait in the car 10 minutes and so up until I was probably like 15 she was like I'm not getting in the way of what could be an amazing relationship this really amazing ability to reconcile incompatible truths which I guess is why I can exist in this constant contradiction of self where I'm like I can be the most exceptional person in the lane that I created for myself over here Mm. and I can still occupy these spaces but have it not be the thing that I feel as though I need to live up to she sounds like an absolutely remarkable woman and I can she's sick (laughs) I can totally get now why you are the way you are. Like, it's so fascinating to see. And there's so much, like, that she's obviously instilled in you um, throughout the years and your upbringing and so forth. Are your siblings the same? I think that we 
all three of us, like I'm the youngest of two older brothers, mm-hmm. so I think there's that difference and distinction. I feel as though I have what I describe as black sheep syndrome. Like I definitely wasn't the favourite, even though I was raised by Liz. Like my middle brother was definitely the favourite. And my oldest brother had a lot of a lot more cultural context as he mm-hmm. was raised in Ghana, right? Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was just on the fringes a lot of the time. And the youngest, I just left to my own a little bit. So I think like the foundation is quite similar, but how it manifested is really mm. different because of our proximity, not only to my mum, but the expectations of that proximity. Like I don't have the, I always feel like my siblings really want to impress my parents and I'm like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like it's you just, and me both. Yeah. When Julie is like the favourite in our yeah. family and I was the black sheep. Yeah. So I totally get what you're saying and I don't care to impress yeah. anybody. So. But with that in mind, like somebody might say like, oh, you know, who was there like to cheer you on? And I was like, me. Like, but that's different because my middle brother would be like, well, my mum, you know, was there to cheer me on. And I was like, oh, no, I, I conceptually I had that. But I was really allowed to create my own world because when I stepped out of my own world, it was only ever briefly. Yes. Then I came back into my own delusion. And when I stepped out again, it was her being like, you're amazing. And I was like, yeah, I'm amazing. <laughs> <laughs> she so- was I was gonna say, you said she said you're not allowed to get tattoos, but you've got tattoos. I've got so now. many, so so many. What did you say when you got your first one? I don't know. I, so I got heaps of my legs to begin with. I think I've got like I don't know twenty of my legs. So she never saw those. But then I feel as though she. I've noticed her growing as an adult, which is so wild. Because when you start seeing your parents as people, not parents, mm-hmm. and when I allowed, when I made her aware that I was seeing her as a different person, she also softened in her idea of what I could or couldn't be in relation to her. Because she's like, we well, know we're friends. I'm like, that's my bestie. So I remember one time she saw my arm tattoo. She was like. Hmm. I do hate that. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's fine. And I, it's one thing that I'm not going to challenge the idea of her, but I think she's also kind of like, oh, like this is the lifestyle that you're like, you're letting yourself lead. And she said to me a couple of months ago, she's like, I realize that the way that I see the world limits the way that I'm able to live, right? Like I've decided in the world that I've created that you can't get the tattoo and you can't get the earring and you can't leave the house and not be dressed up or whatever that might be. But she's like, I see your world and I can understand why you have given yourself freedoms to do what you want because it's working for you. Interrupting this chat with a super generous offer from our friends at Stacks. From now until midnight this Sunday, you can get 20% off site-wide at Stacks when you shop via Her Black Book. How good is that? To access the code and read the T's and C's, download the Her Black Book app right now. And so it's been a bit eye-opening for her in that yeah, sense. Yeah, but she's not, she still hates them. But I, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to imagine, like, when she would explain to me, she's like, you don't understand. It was, like, gang-affiliated people with tattoos and, like, really dangerous people. And I was like, I get what you're saying. Right now, hotties get tattoos. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you were able to actually open up and even by the way that you've grown into your own self, she's able to see that and Mm -hmm. it's allowed her to expand her own way of thinking. Absolutely. So that is amazing to see that almost like the tables at some degree turn. Yes. Where you're now almost a bit of a teacher. Exactly. In her world, which is amazing. But her being open to it, that I find really interesting because I look at my peers, if you look at early 20-year-olds who are so close-minded and so jaded and so rigid in their understanding of people and the world and not really willing to move on that, even like a smidge to consider that there's a way you can reconcile incompatible truths. And you have this whole person who's lived this whole life and a thousand lives who's like, huh, I can consider that the way you live is valid, even though it contradicts the way that I want you to live, Mm -hmm. and we move. Yeah. Brilliant. I feel like um, what is really fascinating about you is that you are this blend of both like this high achiever and there's a rebel side to you, right? Being told you can't get your tattoos and getting the tattoos anyway, and just mm. like not caring and going out there and carving your own path. Would you say that's fair? It's a very yeah. unusual combination I'm to get that. I'm just an oxymoron. It, it's But true. I think I just allow myself that. That I would say because Sally and I being twins, being absolute polar opposites, like I'm 
the total straight lace, like square, like teacher's pet, you know, like, yeah, annoying. <laughs> and like Sally was definitely the rebel. Sally not to oh, yeah. Yeah. Sally was like, yes, you're annoying. <laughs> I'm and the so, one who knows to have the most fun. That's all I know. <laughs> that's true. That's true, you know. So it's just really, really interesting seeing like someone before me who is almost that blend of both. But it's tricky also because I used to have this thought a couple of years ago, but I got over it because I will never know the answer. Because I've chosen to commodify my life, there are skills that I had to learn to be myself publicly. Mm-hmm. Like being opinionated about stuff, that was a new thing. That mm-hmm. was like 21-year-old and people are asking you things about the world because they're assuming that because you have this job that you should no stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't care about stuff. Like, I care about The Sims, the fantasies in my head, like music, la, 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 la. It was just empty head butterflies going around. Or even this idea of um, being able to achieve stuff really, really quickly. Like, I always say, when I was in high school, I was communicative. Like, my hand was up. Mm-hmm. But I still got, like, a 52 ATA. I almost failed. So I was like, oh, I'm confused. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, chatting in class isn't going to make you academically minded. And I was like, oh, okay. Huh, but I love it because you still had an opinion. Yeah! Like, Give me. So it's, it's these things where I, I wonder these attributes and these skills and these characteristics I've honed as probably like a a safety mechanism, a defense mechanism, a necessary part of just existing in this space are now things that are like core parts of my personality because I commodify myself. Had I been in a different, like a different job that I didn't have to be, that I didn't have to essentially adjust my whole being to be really good at, maybe I wouldn't be this way. Maybe I'd just be a rebel. Or a baker. Or a baker. <laughs> or a tennis or a... player. <laughs> Um, I, I I think the thing there, though, is there's so many people who did fail, you know, so it's like not often a correlation between like getting, the, you know, high grades at school and being a success. Like mm. that's what I take away from that. It's like, you know, you're on that borderline pass, but yet you're out there, you know, succeeding and you see that more and more today. And I think that's a really good message for people to take away if they're not academically inclined. Like oh, yeah. don't n- ignore it just because you think you can land on your feet later because other people <laughs> are. Like don't do that. Yeah. But if, you know, it's not your thing, like there are places you can apply yourself, like you said, and pick up skills. You've got to work really, really hard at them, but there are other ways to success. 100%. All right. We're going to do some quick fire questions. Yes. And I feel like these are going to be like compared to reflex and your big, <laughs> but they wouldn't be quick fire if they were, if they were reflex questions. Literally. They would be. So they're going to be um, nowhere near as curly as, as some of those questions I love. But Alrighty. let's fire through these. So quick fire questions. Flex, your biggest pet peeve. <sighs> Only one, honey. <sighs> Only one. Oh, this is a tricky one. Biggest pet peeve. I can't say two. I'll give you two. Okay. So <laughs> the first one is really messy eaters. Like oh. not just you. Because I feel like I used to – no. Okay, we'll just say messy eaters. I'm not talking like you chew really loud. It's the combination. You chew loud. There's sauce in your face. There's sauce on the, on the thing. You've cracked the pepper. It's everywhere. You're talking with your mouth open. The whole thing, it's just freaking me out. And the second it. thing is – People who complain about the same thing and don't do anything about it. Oof. Amen. That one is in my soul. That one hurts. Yeah. I feel that one. Would you rather have more money or more time? (gasps) More money. I love that you said that. Yeah. Because a lot of people would normally go more time. I don't care about all that. Mm. It reminds me when I was working full time, uh, in PR and also DJing, and I, I was trying to quit the job, but I was doing that thing where you manage yourself out. Can I just go to part-time, now yes. go to casual, mm-hmm. that whole thing? But I convinced myself with the extra day a week, I would do so much. You know, I would, like, get down in my hobbies and whatever, and I didn't do anything extra with that day. With I more feel money, that. though. More money. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about <laughs> it. I can do stuff with that. <laughs> next, Speaking of more money, next item on your shopping list. Um, I need a table runner. <laughs> For your amazing new table that I saw. Yeah. But I'm not going to buy it until I know what I need to buy. That's a good way to go about things. Mm-hmm. Um, who would play you in a movie? 
Wouldn't it be amazing if we could find a doppelganger for me? That would be fantastic. Um, obviously, Oprah. If Oprah couldn't do it, Beyonce. <gasps> yes. Love. Celebrity crush? Oh, you know who I love? Obviously, Edward Cullen. More Edward Cullen Twilight than Robert Pattinson. But there's this guy called... Alexander Skarsgård, he's Eric Northman in True Blood. I just like his vibe. He's like a six foot five Swedish guy. I remember your Robert Pattinson phase. It's still happening. Like I love it's that. currently <laughs> happening. But as I get older and the degrees of separation become less and less, I have to start acting differently. Yeah. So For when that the opportunity presents itself. Yeah. yeah, he's not looking through the feed being like, <laughs> what is going on here? I have no idea who that is, so I'm just gonna what? Google him after the show. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? It's such a tricky thing because I'm a, a home person, mm. not a location person. My home just needs to be good. Mm-hmm. But for now, just go to Ghana for a bit, vibe out. Aww. Honestly, if you see me documenting my life when I'm in Ghana, if you think I'm radiant now, I'm radiant there. If you think I laugh a lot now, I laugh way more there. Like, there's something about me just, like, it clicks, it hits. But perhaps that's also holiday vibes. Mm. But I wasn't like that in Milan. I wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's something to that. Our background is Croatian, Mm -hmm. and our um, parents go back every so often. Our dad is there at the moment, and he is another person when he was there. Like, I think there's something really to that. It's about a homecoming. to your homeland. Mm Mm-hmm. What is your favourite question in your conversation cards? Um, oh, I like to start with this one because it proves to me whether or not we're going to have a really illuminating discussion or we're going to start lying to each other. Mm-hmm. So the question is, are you or can you be seen as problematic? Oh, yes. And the only answer is yes. 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 But if someone starts with a no... You're I'm like, not really. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Like, I wouldn't. And I'm, I'm super either friendly. it shows <laughs> that you have, like, this single-mindedness that you cannot consider that in the world there is someone who is the complete contrast of you who would assume you in your in your state is the most problematic thing ever. Like, for every person who's like, oh, no, I believe in recycling. There's someone who's like, there's no need because all the labour that goes into X, Y, Z. Like, it's it's there. So that's like my litmus test. It's a really good one. They either, yeah, they, they would lack the awareness to understand that polarity in the world exists yes. no matter what the topic. Exactly. Love Final it. question, and it's a big one. Uh-oh. What is your most controversial opinion? That not everyone is special. But I am. <laughs> <laughs> As we cackle. <laughs> we are the hyenas. <laughs> oh, we so, are. so good. I love What's it. yours? Um, it's a good question. <laughs> Do you know that what? I've never actually Get asked myself out. that question before. Or, you know what? I'm going to tell you after the podcast <laughs> because I don't know if it can be aired. It's that controversial. Ooh, it's like, it's a split. This I is a wholesome like, podcast. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's split and it's just, yeah, I'm oh, going to leave that one in the I'm vault. afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> Flex, you've been very generous with your philosophies on life and given us all a peek into your upbringing and how that's shaped the incredible, open-minded woman you are today. I'm also going to remember those three C's, comprehension, conviction and compassion. Thanks so much for joining us. Yay, my pleasure. That wraps up Season 1 of The Flipside with Her Black Book, powered by Samsung Galaxy, presented by Pop Sugar Australia. A reminder to download the Her Black Book app to access exclusive incentives, cashback promotions and brand news from more than 700 of your favourite retail brands. You can get more of this episode and the entire series of The Flipside at popsugar.com.au. Thanks for tuning in. Until Until next time. time.